First of all, thank you for your participation. Thank you for your participation by just attending, by asking questions, financial help that you give us also. We need that. We don't, this uh, kind of a organization doesn't really produce a product or a service. Well, you, you may think otherwise. I don't. Kind of a bad business move, isn't it? <laughs> so this morning's Dharma talk is has gone through a few iterations of titles, and the one that uh, ended up with, I'm not even sure I can remember what I told. What did I say to you? Empty itself, empty of other. We'll do that one. Empty of self, us guys, this guy, empty of other, you guys, or this, or this, or that, or this, or this, or this, or this. Empty of other. The otherness is what uh, confuses the self-centeredness, the ego mind to want to control, to think that he, she, they can control or can stop or has a, have a, that you have a say-so in any, you have a say-so in nothing. If you think you have a say-so in something, <laughs> good luck. Uh, I mean, not just good luck for the next 20 years, 30 years, the next 20 or 30 lifetimes. This goes on and on and on. Bodies come and go. You don't go anywhere. Lots of ways of teaching this, and I, this is the only one I know is the one I'm doing. I don't know how to do this at all. I don't walk in here with any kind of a pre-plan for anything. Empty of self, that doesn't mean there isn't something here, but it is not a centralized entity. It's not a me that has any kind of credential as being somebody that knows this or knows that or doesn't know this or is being left out of this situation. Should be included over there, but they're, they're not being included. Empty of self. Traditionally, this is called a uh, wrong um, tongue. And in the Madhyamaka tradition, the two types of empty are empty of self, empty of other. Uh, Shentong is empty of self, wrong tongue is empty. No, Shentong is empty of other, wrong tongue is empty of self. They have that right. My memory bank over here. So you can read about this lots of different places. You can read it in the Uttara Tantra of Maitreya. That's one place. Do you know of other places? Um, Temple Sotram Gyamso's Progressive Stages of Meditation on Emptiness breaks it down pretty clearly. Very good. So there's a good source. Progressive Stages of Meditation on Emptiness by Kempo Sotram Gyamso. So, and also the, the empty, uh, Shentong, empty of uh, other. In other words, it's empty. There isn't anything there. There's something there, but it is an illusion. And it's so convincing. It's so convincing. I feel this. I feel this. She did this. They said that. When they said that, oh, that was that was the last straw. Those kinds of commentaries that keep the damn carnival wheel, circus wheel, merry-go-round, tilt-a-whirl, Ferris wheel, spinning samsara, samsara, around and around, night and day, night and day. Black and white, black and white, life and death, life and death, circular, as also called, uh, empty of others, also called uh, the third turning teaching uh, on Buddha nature. It, it, it can get quite stretched out, especially if someone with a lot of um, ability to think in concepts and structures, analysis, logic, and so on, can, it can get quite complicated. 
uh, I think the Vajra points, what the, how many are there, seven of them? Seven Vajra points in the Uttara Tantra. Uttara means go no farther. Tantra means continuity. <clears throat> Simply put. It's very complicated. It's interesting, but I think it might be more interesting to some of you who are more tied up in your logic so and in your this is because of that because of that because of that kind of thinking not wrong totally correct totally perfect doesn't need fixing nothing needs fixing but we might need to look at the discrepancy we might need to look at the the illusion the self the, the the emotions that come up that feel so strongly like it's i'm the one who's feeling this difficulty i've just been through this my this myself this morning otherwise i couldn't teach this if i was somehow free of the illusion it's still an illusion but you have to see it's an illusion because it, because if you don't if you're deluded by the illusion into thinking well some parts of that illusion are really true like this person really did kill that person, or this person did really steal from that person. All of those kinds of things need to be seen clearly. I'm not saying you can't do it in other ways. Maybe there's hundreds of other ways that I don't know about, but the only one that I have any clarity on at all is the, the path of the Buddha as taught by my teachers. Simply put, what is that path? Awake. Awake. Not awake to something, just awake. Interested? Then watch the way you sleep. And be aware that you're closing up here and you're closing up. That's it's so difficult. If you're practicing uh, uh, sitting meditation, shikantaza, uh, you're going to have to watch a lot of disturbances. Disturbance, traditionally known as the, the five disturbances. Passion, aggression, ignorance, jealousy, and what's the other one? Is it pride? Yes. You don't have that one. That's why I thought you might have trouble remembering it. <laughs> and pride is a, a ties in with the six realms. This uh, pride being tied into the the realm of the gods, the ones who have made it, the ones who, who wonder why everybody's having so much difficulty. Why don't they just get a job and, and just be happy? And like like I am with my gold bullion. Sanho, you notice the way I said your name, Sanho. It did sound a little forlorn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go ahead and ask your question, and I'll, I'll attack it. Um, keeping in mind I work for a civil rights organization, I yes. wonder um, those people who feel as though they've been discriminated against and are in many ways second-class citizens, human rights, things like that. A little louder, please. I'm listening. Uh, the question is for those people who are second-class citizens, yes. in some way, they feel like they have fewer rights. Yes. How do we tell them, how do we help them see the truth without diminishing what they go through? You, go, you meet them where they're at. You may, they may never practice meditation. They don't need to. You need to. You don't have to, I often say, and I'll say again, don't, don't try to get anybody to meditate. This is, it's not really hard to do. It doesn't mean that someone who doesn't meditate, as I tried to address in the, in the talk I gave on, uh, on therapy and meditation, some people need to do therapy. They're not, we're not, because we meditate, we're not better than them. 
It's an, it's an amazing understanding. People tend to go that way, just like meditation with the eyes closed is somehow not as good as eyes open. This is a big misunderstanding. It's so obvious to me that it's an understanding when I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm kind of surprised at why there aren't more questions around that so that I could clarify that. You, whatever you're doing is appropriate at that time. Everything is appropriate. You just told me that a few days ago. Everything's appropriate. That's a powerful statement when you're living in a world where everyone is fighting with each other, killing each other, torturing each other, and there are a lot of people who are uh, second-class citizens or not, don't get what the, the rich white people get. To put it bluntly. So I'm saying we need to meet those people where they're at. They they may want to meditate, they may not. But I wouldn't even bring it up. I would I would do you're an attorney and you're working with people in that area, just what I can simply put it and say just do your job as well help people, meet people where they're at. And when you meet someone where they're at, if you think you're somehow better than them or different because you're a meditator, because you're a Buddhist, because, because, because. This is just bullshit. Don't do that. If you're meeting them where they're at, you won't be separate from them. You might even start sobbing with them. Not a, not a misunderstanding. It's very important to help people where they're at as much as you can. And doing that for some people is uh, painful. It's difficult to uh, be a therapist and constantly be meeting people in the labyrinth of their own feelings, emotions, opinions, judgments, and justifications for this or that. And you're sitting there and you can see the confusion, but you also know that you may not have permission to step right into it and help them. Maybe the most you can even do for them is somewhat similar to what I do is just listen, just receive. One of the kindest things you can do for anyone is to receive them, to listen to them and not necessarily a comment, or you might. They might ask you, what do you think? Did I get close to what you were looking for, Sano, or do you have something else? Remarkably, thank you. You're welcome. Do I need that compliment? He just complimented me. Do I need that? Uh, that was not a compliment. See? <laughs> See, that's why I don't need it. He learns fast. <laughs> Fast <laughs> Any other questions in that area? Any area, actually, but especially in that one. That's a, yes, uh, uh, Kayun. I see you there. Kayun Boeing. Yes, uh, you often talk about the avalanche that we're in and how we can't really turn it around. What yes. the Bodhisattva help trying to help others when we can't really turn this around, Boeing? So you uh, or me or any of us uh, being embodied in a human form are in somewhere in that avalanche. And it's like, a, it's like if, you, if you can see the entirety of it, which is dependent origination or pratitya samudpada, this is a Sanskrit, fancy word for nothing, there isn't a coming or going, nothing happens. This doesn't mean that you don't watch the clock move, the clock hands, you don't see motion, but that is unreal. So find your place uh, in the middle of the avalanche rather than try to march into the middle of the avalanche with uh, protest signs. That being said, I'll take it even further and say, maybe that's what you have to do. Maybe you need to travel to 
the Capitol or something or do something to, to join in. You'll know. And you will know even more clearly without explaining yourself or vindication or justifying yourself if you train your mind to see clearly. Then your heart will uh, break completely, not just partially. Not When I say partially, not you're just you want to be known as a good, helpful, kind, loving person who supports others and has a humanist approach to everything. Rather, actually be that. If you are that, you will not have the credential. And you will not basically be supported because all of your energy goes toward helping others. Not, look what look how good I'm doing. Well, at least I'm part of this. Or at least I'm doing what I can. At least I'm protesting. Or at least, at least, at least. As soon as you're here, at least, go face the wall for a couple of days. Further questions, since we're in that area? If there is one. Ian Boeing. Yes, sir. Uh, what is the inspiration to keep trying to help the avalanche without stopping it, bowing it? So this is when I say just continue to receive. Watch the news. You don't have to watch it all day, but this is all we have. We don't we don't really know what's happening, say, in in the Sudan. We don't know for sure what's happening uh, in Moscow. We don't know for sure. We have ideas that come through the news, through CNN or, or other news media. So we have a little bit of an idea, but we don't know for sure what it's like to be a person living in that area. But we know what it's like to live here and observe that. So just relate to that. Bring everything right to where you're, wherever you're sitting at. And be, be uh, very aware when you try take something you're looking at and try to abandon that for what you think about it. Or sometimes that is driven by the ego mind does not want to not know. So a willingness to know and a willingness to not know and to know the difference. I hope I'm not being too puzzling here. But uh, knowing that you don't know is actually a kind of knowing. And it's actually the, the beginning of fundamental education. Not just memorizing this and passing tests and having high SAT scores. Actually fundamentally know what you know and what you don't know and know what actual true knowledge actually is. It's just not a, an accumulation of facts. If it's an accumulation of facts, it is about controlling people and the people that are the, high, are the highest on the, the registry there as far as um, the, the um, particular arena of the world that you're in, the time frame that you're in, the cultural context of uh, the cultural context that are all around us, put some people in a higher place and some people in a lower place, just based on who their parents were. Further questions in that area, if you have them. Susan, do you have a question? Susan Bowing. Um, so, Kazan, a, a couple of weeks ago, I heard you say that if someone came out of a retreat and they were unhappy, you'd say, great. And then you said you didn't really want people to suffer, that you'd prefer that we all see our true nature and be happy. So my question to you is, are you happy, Bowen? I'm, I'm just thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. But it's not important whether I'm happy or not. It's not, I'm, I'm not saying I don't enjoy being happy or amused or entertained. Of course I do. 
but the fundamental understanding is much, much deeper than that. And it's so some kind of surface happiness that comes and goes. It's like weather or surface for that matter, suffering that comes and goes. It's also like weather. That which is real doesn't do anything. That who you are doesn't move because it has no status as, as a thing that is movable. It can't move because it's not separate from anything else. Realize it. And how do you realize that? You look at the entanglement in the mind as it comes and goes without moving in, without trying to cover up, without trying to modify it in such a way that you feel better relatively because you can do that. I might as well be doing some drugs. And is that wrong? No, it's not. The causes and conditions that arises, anyone's personal life are completely unique and extremely complicated. The way to work with that, as in my understanding, is hold still, watch what moves in the mind, and don't grasp, don't reject, and don't shut down. So that the awareness aspect of consciousness, instead of the, just the thinking process, becomes very, very primary. So that you are, you find yourself more receiving, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, even thinking. It has a very primary initial uh, appearance. It's just the first appearance of that. My teacher, Chogyam Trungpur Rinpoche, used to say, I heard him say this 50 years ago, first thought, best thought. And I, I had to contemplate that for a few decades. For, for the first thought, first thought, best thought, first thought. Well, that's because if there, whatever shows up in the thinking area is not necessarily, there's less likelihood that it will be entangled in a lot of opinions, ideas, judgments. You might have that first thought and immediately, immediately have another thought that says, well, that won't work. Well, that's not true. And that should be observed also. So when I say, of course, I would like people to be happy. So I think that would be good. But the understanding of what happiness actually is uh, is, uh, uh, as you study the Buddha's Dharma, becomes a much different situation than what you thought it was a few days, few years, few decades ago. It's a fundamental understanding that transcends the self and it transcends other without going anywhere. Because if it goes somewhere, we're right back to the relative rotation of the tilde whirl or the merry-go-round. Comes and goes, comes and goes. That which is real doesn't do anything. That which is substantial, that which, which is ultimate, is not even a that, a that. I can go way into this, but I, I need your help. We need to, I need to do it with you. That's the illusion of otherness right there. It's empty of other. I need that. When I say I need it, I really don't need anything. I don't need to be here. I can move to Montana. Live on a, what do they call those, where all the dudes live? Ranch. What? Ranch. Exactly. <laughs> you were saying that you could go into it further, but you need, I think, us to ask, ask you questions. Seems that way. What is needing something like that that is empty of other? Well, I don't need it, but you need it, and I'm not separate from you. So I'm speaking on your behalf. Did you see how much thinking I did before I made that statement? How much cogitation? That's the fancy word for I don't know what to do, so I'm going to cogitate. You want to refine that question so it's something that's answerable instead of just brings out my sarcasm? 
Waiting. That's a good feeling. It seems like question and response is a, a requires two individuals. No, but it's an illusion. The, the, there's a teacher here and a, the students here, but it's an illusion that we're separate. I want to help you with that. More? Yes. If, we, if we don't ask you questions, does that separate us? Well, some. It's not, a, it's not a mistake. It's not a problem. I'm just saying if, you, if I'm the teacher, then stay in touch with me on some level, whether it's direct like this or whether it's in an interview or whether it's uh, just doing what I've recommended that you do, which is train your mind, go into retreat, face the wall, do a lot of it. How much should I do? More than that. Do more than what you just were about to say. More than do it. Seems to take because of all the momentum that's been going on for centuries or for twenty years. We need to stop, sit still, and watch whatever continues to ramp up, which will be the mind stream, and then just observe that mind stream. Observe that part of the of the uh, avalanche. See, you have no control. You have no say so. I have a little bit, I can go like this, I can go like that. It's not much. You can do a little bit. So this part of the mind, which I call, and you call, the body, which is just mind, is able to reestablish some kind of, reinforce some kind of reality that I'm here and I'm sitting in a chair and, uh, and I'm touching the top of this uh, table. I'm talking to you. I'm listening. So it's an incredible illusion. You don't have to push it away. Just keep looking at it. Chicken thousand. Just precisely this. More? I'm Kelsey, Kelsey Bowie. Um, back to the happiness question. So uh, I think I'm hearing you say that there, like our suchness is separate from <clears throat> happiness or suffering, that those are illusions like weather. Um, so I am hearing that our our like Buddha nature our suchness I think is a phrase mm -hmm. right yes. is separate from illusion and I guess I'm I would love, Go ahead. is there separation there or no that the, the, the there's a separation is part of the illusion that's why you don't have to fix it that's why the illusion can be very very aggravating or tiring or whatever but you don't have to do anything about it. you actually and this may uh may bring about a few more questions. So you may have to be the illusion. That's a fundamental cave-in, and that's a hard one. And you being a therapist are put in that situation all the time with your with your patients, clients, or whatever you refer to them as. The clients? Yeah. So you're in that all the time. Then you have your own life. Then you're dealing with your own uh, comings and goings in that process. And it's very important to observe, do as little as possible. But when it, so that way, when it does show up, something that you need to do that need to do maybe a, just a small window of light coming through a crack that you might have missed if you keep if you keep trying this and trying that and guesswork ego loves guesswork because what if it's right it wants to get a, a credential for being right about it no guesswork if you're meeting everything where it's at even though you're not saying much then uh, then if, if the that little instance where you you see where there's something you can actually go in and say or do something 
then you might be touching the heart of the matter because you're you're receiving because you're on receive you're not on production and then the production just comes out of the awareness do you follow a little bit yes um so kelsey bowen i think i'm understanding that you're um i'm losing it you're losing it were you losing it because i was looking around <laughs> when i break eye contact it doesn't mean i stop listening yeah um there's a question i'm not sure what it is well if you have, if it comes back please raise your hand uh, and that way i'll even uh, stop in the middle of somebody else's question uh, answer <laughs> yours i mean that <laughs> sano go ahead Sano, you may have just answered this with Kelsey, but I wonder, we have forms that underscore the importance, the apparent separation of the teacher, the teacher's seat, etc. Mm -hmm. Is that an illusion? Yes. But it's, it's part, we need to have some kind of separation. In Tibet, they're even more extravagant. They put their teachers up on big boxes with gold all over them, and they put high hats on them. Kind of like, don't do that with a Pope too, I guess. So a lot of, uh, we're trying to get, show you what authority looks like in a relative area, but it's uh, very difficult to address uh, ultimate nature of anything if the teacher, him or herself, or, or believe in their, in their uh, temporary status as the teacher. I've sometimes said to people, don't teach unless you have to. If you're teaching, uh, that doesn't mean you couldn't teach history or philosophy or, or, or law, something like that. But to teach the spiritual path, um, don't do it unless you have to. This doesn't mean that you don't teach someone how to meditate. But pointing out the nature of reality, you should hold off as long as you can on that until you become reality. Do I have a credential where I am reality? No, I have no credential. That's my credential. Is that a credential? Does it sound like I'm saying I'm enlightened? <laughs> I've been accused of worse things. <laughs> so are we creating, or do we need to create a, a, the illusion of separation in order to communicate? I don't, I don't know that we, uh, it has to be a deliberate kind of creation, a little bit. This is what you do when you, with your partner, sit down, face each other, and bow to each other and say, what should we talk about? Or what issues do you have with what I'm doing or what you're doing? It just makes a stronger form so that your communication is not just trying to do dishes and talk over your shoulder to someone who's sitting over at the kitchen table, um, polishing off their scrambled eggs. Don't do it that way. Don't, don't be casual about it. Give it a form. Is that what you're asking me? I mean, that's helpful, but I think what I'm asking is it seems like it looks like communication and not asking questions or not communicating both create an illusion of separation. So what what is communication if there's no self, no other? Here comes listening. Listen, and when I say listen, I'm not just talking about saying listening to what what the Jewzan is saying, or what Shoto is saying, or anyone is or what I'm saying, but also listening to what is happening in your mind stream. Always be on receive as much as you can. Receiving what's happening from 
the sound of someone else's voice, their body language as they hold forth, and then watch, observe, smell, taste, touch, think what's showing up in your own mind stream. It's kind of like uh, these words tend to be filled with misunderstandings too, but I could use the word just witnessing this or just being aware of your, of your mind stream as it responds, as you have what sometimes are referred to as outflows. Something happens, somebody says something, does something, and you have a response. And sometimes that'll come right out through your vocal cord and you'll say, you'll respond or react to that person in a way that, that is basically based on your interpretation of what just happened rather than what actually happened. Because what actually happened is what? Is what? Not much. Very good answer. Nothing happens. If this is an illusion, don't believe me. I'm not saying believe this, but consider it. Consider it when you go to the bathroom and when you when you uh, clean out the cupboards and uh, put new uh, shelf liner in. Consider it. Just consider that this is unreal. It is unreal. If you need an example for that, it will help you. Remember the dream you had last night. Perhaps you're even writing those down and see how at the time in that dream, it was real. You didn't care whether you had a physical body at all because the body you had in that dream was it. <clears throat> Unless you're doing some other kind of dream work, lucid dreaming where you're noticing that you're aware that you're in a dream might show up differently. So just receive everything. Receive your own mind, receive, your, receive the minds of others as they appear, receive whatever is happening on CNN, receive it, receive it. Don't add to it, but if you do add to it, then be aware of that. So in other words, you're receiving that you are adding on, you're spontaneously, because you can't stop passion, aggression, and ignorance. They will continue, and they'll continue to look for a self or for, a, for a, an aspect of consciousness that is somebody that is being uh, aggressive, is somebody that is being jealous, and we'll be able to reinforce that to continue continue to consolidate the, the apparent apparent reality of me going somewhere, doing something. You have to see through that. And if you see through it, you don't have to fix it because it's an, it is an illusion. And the ultimate teaching is talked about. I don't use this too often because it, the images are very strong, but there's no way to explain it. But if you see empty of other, if you see Buddha nature, it is, it is both empty and luminous at the same time. You could even say that em emptiness and luminosity are not two different things. But the way to talk about it is well, we conceptually kind of have a hold on, on emptiness, have a little bit of a hold on luminous or shiny or flashy or brilliant or expanding or sun-like, not separate. Find your true nature. Don't, don't settle for any half halfway situations where I think I've kind of got it. If you think you've kind of got it, you don't. If you think you've got it, you don't. You can't get this. You can't get what you already are. You, but you'll have to realize uh, who and what you already are by uncovering all of the um, cover-ups. Milka, Milka Bowing. I have some questions from YouTube. Martin in Latvia. Where? Latvia. Latvia. Haven't been there in a while. <laughs> I think it was eight, 18 or 19 lifetimes ago I was in Latvia. 
Martin asked, if all is mind, then who are beings who I am seeing? For example, what do I make of Sokozan? It's just an illusion that's vivid. It's a, at your kitchen table. It's just the otherness is just vividly uh, shows like like a, a mirage, a uh, um, like a um, an apparition, uh, as it said in the, the Diamond Sutra. The uh, uh, Diamond um, Diamond Sutra says a lightning flash, and what was the other? Uh, a, you remember? Does anybody remember who studied the the Diamond the Vajra Chetika? So you just you just you see that it's there, but it is it's an apparition, unreal, present there showing up, unreal, insubstantial. You have to realize that yourself in your own. You can't just believe the concept, and if you do believe the concept, or, or you you are heavily uh, entrained in your own intellect, in your own uh, thinking, processing, concluding, thinking, processing, concluding then you might have to work in that area for a while. Hopefully you'll find a true teacher can kick your butt so you don't get stuck on that fixation of thinking you know stuff. Yes, sir. Neil Kabowing, and a question from Ross in Ireland. Bowing, I find it very difficult to understand Nagarjuna's verses, but I don't understand either what is meant when you say that if I think I understand it, I will be wrong. I'm confused, Bowing. I'm just talking about the, the thinking. If you, if you think you understand, it's not that you don't have some understanding, but you still have work to do. And this is going to show up differently for different people. Pardon me. So all the more reason to study it. My recommendation is study it with Sangha, study it with other people who are also spending time uh, facing the wall, training their minds to see clearly, so that when you interact with other people around this, they aren't just scholars, or they aren't people who just read books and don't really practice. That's difficult, difficult, difficult material to understand. I think we've just been studying the, the thir 30, verse of the, 30 verses of Vasubandhu for, Chisho, do you know how long we've been studying that? Kishwaling. I mean, we, we, I think we studied for almost two years. Yes. Uh, now we have switched to another text of Vasubandhu. It's still Vasubandhu, but that, that text, we studied it for a couple of years. That's once a week, and that means you're probably right, reading it on your own. So that way, uh, for 35 minutes of t discussing that text or one of those 30 verses with others, and then the last uh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, the teacher comes in and and responds to, maybe not answers, but responds to questions uh, concerning uh, what, what, it's just an astonishing, astonishing material. And I would say do both, read the material, study with others. If I don't know, um, where was it, it was in Ireland? Ross. Huh? Ross? Yes. In Ireland, you, there's no, depending on the time, you can always join uh, the group. We're not studying 30 verses right now, but we're studying the, uh, what, what, which which text? Kishwaling Madhyanta Vibhaga. Madhyanta Vibhaga. Separating so, of extremes from the middle. The, the middle from the extremes? Okay, and that's that's Vasubandhu. And so you can join that. Uh, check into the monastery. I don't know stuff, so you're going to have to find somebody else that can help you out to locate that. But you're welcome to study. There's no There's no requirement other than just an interest in the material. 
and there's no fee particularly. So it's a study together with Sangha, with Sangha, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, teacher, teaching, the teaching or the Dharma and the community. Don't leave any three, any of those three out. Uh, and But how those three show up in your life may be quite a bit different than the way they show up in someone else's life. Someone might actually need to become uh, part of the monastic community and other people might not at all. So some people just may read the, the material, may not even have a teacher. Is that wrong? Uh, to me, it looks like it's going to need some help. But what, what do I know? I, I don't know. Might be a way to do this. It's not just what I'm saying. You know, you decide what you need to do. So I'm about to say something really important because I always blow my nose first, right, Susan? Yeah. You're wrong. Yes. Um, when we hear or read Vasubandhu's words, I'm just thinking of the um, phrase, um, the meaning is not in the words, it responds to the inquiring impulse yes. from the whole kids on my. What is, what is the impulse from the words? Um, well, we, if you hear the words, there's no self and there's no other. If you hear that, that resonates. You wouldn't be here. You, 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 there are people who might hear that and think, ah, that's, that's uh, Buddhist hocus pocus or whatever. It wouldn't be magnetized by that. But others of us hear that and we, we want to know more about that. Where did that come from? Who said that? Why would they say that? Why would they say such an outlandish thing that there's no person here and no person over there? So we're, we have some kind of connection with that material and my uh, speculation i don't know for sure but it's uh, the consciousness always finds the form it needs and it may find bodies and it may not right now in this room consciousness is finding human forms and this is not the only form that it can find it's just one of them and so here we are and in in the uh, to be free and well favored free to be able to come to a meeting like this and well favored and that your mind isn't so clogged up with a bunch of beliefs and uh, and controlling uh, uh, factors of other kinds of organizations that want you to do things a certain way and pay a certain amount of uh, obeisance or whatever you would call it for that. Yes, Bion. Bion Belling, is our true nature something that we individually possess, something that's unique? Um, mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's unique as long as you're trying to understand it. It's going to seem unique. But when, uh, if you realize your true nature, it's ordinary. It's nothing special because it's not separate from anything. So it doesn't, the polarities are going out of it. And, and you don't, I wouldn't say you actually possess it, although it's taught that way. Everyone has Buddha nature. Uh, there are no, a person who has done the most horrible, terrible thing in their life may have some work to do, but they're not separate from from Buddha, not the not the historical being Buddha, but from awake awakening. It, it may be too lodged in the hell realm or the hungry ghost realm or one of the other realms, in the God realm of uh, just pride. There's so much pride there they just can't hear it. They, they, they would they just prefer their own thoughts to everything, their own ideas about how great they are and how much better they are than the than their neighbors or than other races of people. That's uh, quite often that shows up in, of the six realms, that shows up there in that area. So it is about uh, the awareness of that, 
not so much correcting it or doing something with it, covering it up or changing into something else. More? You and bowing, how is what we speak of as our true nature different than basic goodness? Same thing. Different way of talking about it. Basic goodness is, doesn't have any of There's no basic badness. Basically good. No matter what shows up is basically good. When's the last time you were angry? Oh, yeah? Well, that's basic goodness. You gonna argue with me? I thought you were angry. You're not that angry. Are you happy? No. What are you angry about? Or is that too personal? The, the concepts just kind of come in and out, but the feeling sort of remains. Okay. Well, I'm angry too. Those emotions come and go all the time, and they can come and go in anybody's mind stream. Don't fight with your feelings. Don't try to stop this or start that or fluff this up or hold it back down. Don't don't buy into that. Just look at that which wants something to be different, to be otherwise. Don't disagree with it. Don't agree with it. Don't ignore it. Those are the three. Sitting practice of meditation will help you with that. You may never realize your true nature, but you'll stop lying to yourself. Yes. Mazuka Bowing, Chokyam Trumpa um, says that suffering is intelligence. In what way is suffering intelligent? What was the context? What was the book? Uh, Myth of Freedom. What page? One sixty something. Got my number. Then. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> let's look at it. Okay. So the there are ways of addressing this, and and Rinpoche probably would have done this much differently than what I'm about to do. But my understanding of that is if you realize you're suffering, this is the first noble truth of the Buddha. Life is suffering, not part-time, not a little bit. It's suffering, it's difficulty, but it's not nihilism. It's not negativity. It's just the truth of a biological situation where consciousness is showing up, receiving, and even producing uh, through this biological we call a human being. And so if you if you are born, you're, you're suffering. Coming into this world is just suffering for mom and for the child. And it's just intense suffering. And going out, dying quite often is full of suffering. And it's if it's not, maybe the person dies in their sleep. Uh, it might be a lot of suffering, just like with our uh, friend, uh, um, what's his name on the altar? Huh? Craig. Craig. Yep, got a lot of names. He won't mind. Craig uh, Sutton. Uh, he, he's uh, that was he passed in his sleep. I understood. Still painful, painful for me to not being able to get to know him more. So suffering, suffering all the time. More. How is it intelligence? Well, you're not avoiding it. You're not pushing the suffering away. You realize a life of suffering. This does not make you a nihilist 
or uh, go to some kind of a desperate measures to get rid of it or cover it up. You just receive it right where it's at, as it is. You receive the suffering. You feel it. Feel it all the way, not just to here, all the way right onto the center of the earth if you need an image. Feel it all the way down, way, way below who you are, or what you are, and how long you've been here. Feel it. Receive that. Receive the first noble truth so that you can understand the second noble truth, which is a suffering is called by wanting something else, desire, grasping, clinging, fixation. More? And that fixation, that grasping and so on, goes beyond the self. Eventually that still keeps going, but by that time you have realized there's no one who's doing that. So this is a empty of self, and then eventually we see empty of others. There are no others. And this is, this is when everything, uh, be, according to these teachings, everything is seen as empty and uh, luminous. Baoshan uh, Bowing, why is suffering uh, presented as a much more concrete reality than joy or bliss or happiness? Bowing. Well, I don't, I don't know what the Buddha would say. <laughs> I think just because it's so, uh, just so powerful, it's so, uh, and people are moved to cover it up. They aren't moved to cover up or ignore joy they're more likely to take the joy and give it an attribution i'm joyful because i'm another kind of structure of reifying reestablishing and affirming the reality of joy some people just teach this way some people don't have they aren't as miserable as i am got that uh, um there are some people though that find their joy in being miserable and trying to create misery around them and kind of win the competition of being the most miserable. Yeah. Um, Why does that make you grin? <laughs> it's like a, to me, being Polish, it's a very Polish thing to just like constantly be a little melancholy. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, Polish. Let's blame, let's blame the Poles. So, no, there's more to that question if you have it. So, if, if, from the Buddhist point of view, teaching that suffering and, and bliss are the same thing. There is no difference. Yes. Why do we focus on suffering so much? Maui. I think the focus on one end of the teeter-totter uh, helps us. If we, if we pick one of them, then it's easier to ascribe some kind of selfhood or some kind of personhood that is having that. Whereas if you if you see that those are not separate from each other, then the, the the consciousness, the awareness of the whole structure becomes more powerful, more expansive. Whereas the singularity of belief in a personal self, having a personal experience, and being able to blame this or blame that, that 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 image, that particular stage set starts to come apart. Right as you're watching, you're sitting in the front row, and the whole thing just starts to dissolve because you 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 are you are no longer re reinforcing the polarities. We start out with a polarity that is the most difficult one, suffering. The pleasure is not particularly difficult. We quite often are addicted to that. And a lot of times people have a kind of suffering, or a kind of um, uh, pleasure situation that it, they're addicted to that. And we use that to cover up the, cover up the suffering more. 
Pashan Bharat just said to go to the opposite, you know, um, couldn't we just use suffering to cover up the, the joy? I think we do. I think that can happen too. Constantly talking to ourselves, reifying it, blaming. I'm miserable. This has happened. I would not feel this way if it weren't for what she said or what they did or what they continue to do. Look what they're doing and blame. And this is all the wars are structured. War, war at the kitchen table or a war in the living room, war in the driveway, a war in Nebraska, the war in the Ukraine, the wars, the wars everywhere. Just intense polarity. And we're so certain of it. There are people beings who are so certain that we should be doing this, that they will build uh, AR-15s and Bradley fighting vehicles and go to, just continue to go to war as if there's, if there's just self-validating. We just, of course, we need to fight. There's people that are in power that continue to do that. Are they wrong? I, well, maybe you could say that, but I think it's more important to train your mind so you see clearly because you don't have access to their mind because it's differentiated into a particular form of opinions and ideas and beliefs and so on. Very hard to have access to that. Like Sokaran was saying, uh, uh, sent me a short video of uh, at the U of M at a, uh, I think it was football, wasn't it? One of those ball games. And he was said something uh, to the effect of, uh, uh, it was interesting to her to see all everyone all looking at the same thing thousands of people all looking at the same thing. Wouldn't it be interesting or wouldn't it be nice if, if we had that yeah, that many people actually looking at the Dharma? So I think that maybe it was true at, at some point in the past. Further, further questions from anyone? Navid Bowing. Navid. Um, at the beginning of the talk, you said that body is also mind. Yes. What do you mean by that, Bowie? So everything is a, don't believe what I'm saying, but you could consider it. Everything is consciousness. It's just a, this is a pretty dense form of it. This hits that and produces another thing called sound. Seems very convincing. It's called an illusion. And so body uh, is, a, is just a very low frequency that, that creates a stronger illusion in the past and future. But uh, when you go into the mind, this is still body, or you could say that if you go to the body, that this is still mind. Body and mind are not two different things. But Dogen said in the 13th century, drop off body and mind. So same thing. You, you drop off one, the other drops. But you have to actually do that. And how do you do that? You don't do anything. You see the way you cling to it. If you see the way you cling to it, awareness, 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 it starts to come apart. No guarantee. Because if you jump in there and start to analyze it to see, is it coming apart? Is this teaching of Dogen working? Or something Sokazan said? There's no guarantee of anything. Not separate. They're also not the same thing. So if you... Uh, go ahead. You have, have another question? Um, Maybe. Um, can we locate the mind from our perspective? Bowing. Well, I, I can't. I don't know how you're doing. How are you doing? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's probably closer than making a statement about it. Just, I don't know. That starts out by addressing that which thinks it knows, the I. 
and I don't know. And the, the knowledge there is shows up in different forms. The, the knowledge that we call wisdom uh, do, doesn't have an does not have objects. It's just complete clarity on what this is. And even that is extra to say this and is that implies existence. The is part and and this implies a location. And both of those are unreal. They're not true. They have a relative truth. And that's why we need to study relative truth, absolute truth in different ways. Thank you. Yes, sir. How are things in Iran? Good. Everything's fine. Thank you for asking. Good. Certainly. Everything's fine here, too. Good to hear that. <laughs> it's good to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any Anyone here in the Zendo for a question? Yes, sir. Andy Bowing. Andy. What's the difference between the teaching of empty of self, empty of other, and uh, everything appearing mirror-like. So empty of self, empty of other, uh, conceptual, uh, conceptual approach to it, that there's this over here and everything else around us, so yourself and everything else, that polarity is pretty strong illusion. And uh, everything is mirror-like, is more of a path area. So you're, you can see that everything you're looking at is actually reflecting back to you. It's not something separate from you. It's reflecting back your, because it could be reflecting back your, your prejudice, your ideas, your hopes, your fears, your passion, aggression, and, and uh, ignorance in different ways. And it's going to show up, going to show up differently. So there's no real way to come in and tighten it up to get a better kind of a feeling of understanding it. Better. Further question around it, if you have it. Well, you, you actually answered, it seems like you answered it, but I was wondering what that mirror-like reflection can look like, and if it's based uh, upon the ego or something else. So. Well, the ego is going to be involved there as we go. Just everything you look at. Uh, so it's not actually a mirror. We just use that because a mirror is a is a an object that is, as you know, shiny. That's not really shiny. So okay, let's, give me a minute. Mirror. See, cardboard is not shiny. Uh, the the fender of a 1958 Chevrolet be shiny. You can see your face in it. So so that's used as a teaching device. But the fundamental understanding is when I look at your at your face, uh, I I don't see something else. So therefore, it's taught as mirror-like. It's not exactly reflecting something. It's fundamentally not separate. It's not like a mirror that is uh, like if you're standing in front of a mirror, there's only the only person there is you. There's no one in the mirror. It's just you looking at a, at a device that reflects back your physical form. Is there a device that will reflect back your mind? You know one? What is it? Yeah, the teacher. See how quick he did that? How, how is he able to do that? Uh, immediately he knows what that is. So I'm done. I don't have to teach anymore. <laughs> you have to see it. You have to see it. And you will see it if you, I can't guarantee it. I'm going to give you a time frame. You'll see that in three and a half months. And the, and the teacher is nobody. It's not, it's not some kind of 
artificial humility or something going on. There isn't any. It's not humble. It's not prideful. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's it might be just full of the confusion. If the teaching person is around confused people, the teacher will be confused. Be confused in the confusion, but they're not confused about who they are. Whereas the student is not sure exactly sure who they are. The teacher has no doubts. The teacher could be miserable and still have have no doubts about who they are. More, more. Let's go. And evaluating. So is the so the reflection is. Is, is it showing you who you are not? No, you're going to go that direction. <laughs> is, that's pretty polarized. What do you think? Um, I don't know. It seems to me, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a distinction between seeing the ego in the reflection versus, or is the reflection showing you non-ego? Non yeah, it's, it's, yes, it's showing, uh, to go that direction, it's showing you non-ego. The, the sitting practice of meditation, shikantaza, will show you ego in its crude, smelly form. You know, it's, you just don't want to be there. You don't want to sit there. You want to get up and go do something else because it's not comfortable to do shikantaza, especially if you're doing it sitting down, holding still for hours on end, where your eyes are open and you're just looking and receiving. But if you see, you could say it in post-meditation. It could happen on the, on the cushion or in front of the wall. But it's more so in post-meditation that you will begin to have some what are commonly called glimpses. Uh, not true. It's not, it's not true with everyone. Uh, so the glimpse area is something we, if we do get some kind of glimpse of no self, no other uh, in our experiential situation of looking at someone and realizing that we are them, uh, it won't show up in the form of concepts. It'll show up in... With, with me, it's a it's visual. I just see it, and it's uh, impossible to explain. It's not something I can hand to you. Uh, what I can do is encourage you to continue to look at the wall and continue to uh, receive. Uh, continue to look at your kitchen table, or at uh, your cat Hachi, or at uh, Sangha members, or look at what's in front of you as you walk down the road, as you walk back to Garuda House. Just just that that is. That is, it's not a mirror, but it is mirror-like in that wherever you look, you, the consciousness has stopped locating in a human form, but nor, nor does it dislocate and go everywhere else. It isn't like you've become the universe, but you have realized you're not separate from anything. Anymore. You have a little bit of a, a difficulty because you're limited by uh, physical eyes. At some point, the, the so-called pineal gland or third eye opens and you no longer see anything. But this doesn't mean you trip over anything because you're still functioning as a living being. And at the same time, you have no, no longer have a location. Consciousness is no longer located somewhere. More? I have to stop there. Yeah, take me into the court of law. <laughs> Let's hammer this out. Yes, sir. Andre Andre. Following that cab, I want to, what, what happens with this reflection? What are we supposed to do once we see the reflections? No, do anything. Do less. You've heard me say, don't do anything unless you have to. 
which is another way of, as I've said hundreds of times, another way of talking about patience. Rather than hold back uh, and wait for something to happen, just don't do anything. Don't do anything. So uh, say if we let's uh, if we put that in a doctor's office, you come in, you're there early for your appointment, and an hour and a half has gone by, and you're still sitting there. Patience. You're not waiting for anything, but you're not doing anything unless you have to. And the only way you're going to have to do anything if somebody comes out and says, "Come on in the doctor's office." This also does not mean that after half an hour, you might not get up and ask a question, be interact, say, how, how are we doing? And they might say, doctor's pretty busy right now and got overloaded, something. And so you'd be there. You'd be included with the situation rather than back in your irritation at how you've been on, on time all the time. And suddenly, you know, you're just one time you um, you're there early and then they don't see you for an hour and a half. And then the next time you go to the doctor's office, which actually happened to us recently, went to the doctor's office, it was 10 minutes, 10 minutes late and they wouldn't see, wouldn't see me because I was late. So I had to leave and reschedule the appointment. And I was very irritated with that. Uh, Unyo was much more patient than I am. was not irritated at all, were you? So how does exactly being aware of this reflection and being patient of it uh, on the path, how? How what? How, how does being aware of this reflection and just being patient of this reflection and not doing nothing relates to the path? Just you, all you're doing is you're just cutting through your speediness, your tendency to go from this to go from that. Usually we're doing that in our head. Your body could be sitting fairly still, but your mind is going, choo, choo, choo. you know, it's like 15 birds on a branch. Remember that one? Mind going, your mind goes there and then, and then tentative and then it pulls out and it goes back and then it goes back and forth and this way and that way. And then around and then around this way, I'm just using these to symbolize with my hands and with my silly whistling is that it's the mind is in motion with all of its uh, jabberwocky all the time. And when you practice sitting meditation, you watch that happen. And if you don't push away, well, give me a thumbs up yet. I don't want any thumbs up. From you. <laughs> well, you might have. Let me finish. So see if you can get the rest of it. I'll say right too quick. <laughs> Damn, Andre. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Sit down, hold still, watch the movement until it eventually just wears out because the only way it will keep going is if you grasp at things, you believe it. You reject things, you don't believe it. Or you ignore things because they're boring, irritating, you don't want any part of it. So we tend to block things out or we go off on it, we distract on a daydream. I don't want to sit here and look at the wall. I'm bored. I'm gonna. I'm. I am going to imagine what it would be like to you know, paint the cupboards, or well, I think I put put new shelf liners. I talked about that earlier because that, that came up for some reason. So we distract ourselves by doing that. Ignorance, kind of a stylized uh, form of ignorance, that where we do something in the mind to keep from being bored or being irritated or. And managed to, oh, you could do that for another 30 minutes. That means you sat Shikantaza another 30 minutes. Yes and no. Yes and somewhat, because you stayed there, 
but not completely because you actually opted to go into a daydream, a voluntary daydream called ignorance. Sit a lot. Get your carcass to the wall, sit down on the cushion, look at the wall. Don't accept, don't reject, don't look away. Just experience the, the fundamental nature of the mind as it moves this way and that way, whether whistling or moving around, whatever. Speedy, speedy, speedy. What? So what I what you're saying is it's in my mind the same way I, these thoughts and the thought stream don't grab pushing is what you're saying the outside the same thing because they reflect is that what I mean? I don't know. Sounds like it. Kind of. Keep going. Just keep sitting. Thank you for the question. Appreciate the questions very much. Thank you. Should we close pretty quick? Yes, we should close. Hi, my name is Shoka. I'm a monk at Sokokoji, where I'm committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokuzan. We rely on your support for our programming, including a scholarship fund to cover living and tuition costs for those who are practicing full-time at the monastery. Thank you for your generosity.